0: Hey, this is Pastor John Ryan Cantu from Numa Church in Houston, Texas. Thank you for listening to the message today. I hope that it blesses you and all those that you share it with. God bless you. How are we doing this morning? Blessed to be in the house of God. Amen. God is so good. Has he not been good to you? Has God been good to you? Even, in the, even in, the, in the circumstances where we feel like nothing is good, nothing around me feels good, nothing looks good, nothing is going my way, somebody needs to say God is good. Maybe that is a very, very difficult thing for you to say this morning because as it leaves your mouth, you, you're not sure if you believe it. But I want you to do this with me. If you can just say it in a loud voice, God is good. Say it one more time. God is good. good. Say it like you believe it. God is good. Come on, tell your situation this morning. God is good. Come on, one more time. Tell the devil this morning. God is good. No matter what you throw my way, no weapon formed against me shall prosper because my God is good and he loves me and I am a child of God. And I want you to believe that this morning. That as you wait on the Lord, as you go through what you are going through, God is still God. He is still faithful. He will always be God. And if he will always be God, that means he will always be good. That means he will always be all powerful, all loving. Our God is good. Amen. Praise God. I want to thank you uh, this morning, church, for, for your prayers Last week, I know that and the last week, uh, I wasn't able to, to make it here. This, uh, for, for, for church because we had, uh, we had some, some situations with, with, with Ellie. She was, uh, she was really, she was really sick. Melissa, Pastor Melissa was sick as well. And, uh, and so I woke up about six o'clock last Sunday, uh, ready to come to church and, um, and she sends me a text, and she says, "I don't, I don't know how I'm going to be able to take care of Ellie and myself." And uh, so, I, I prepared to to not uh, come. And and uh, you know, Pastor Melissa, she was she was dealing with her own thing, and, and Ellie was dealing with her own thing as well. And and so, I finally, you know, texted the, the pastors and, and told them, "Hey, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be making it this morning." Um, but you guys lifted us up in prayer. And I thank you uh, every, everyone is good amen I, I thank God for this church because we are a church that prays for one another we don't even we, we don't even have to know you by name we have maybe some of us pray for people that we've never even seen before um, and that's that I love that about this church is that we lift each other up we we uh, as a church, as the body are the pillars of this church because one person can't hold up. A church by, by itself, right? It's the church that rests on the cornerstone. That is Christ. That is what gets us through every day. And I thank you for your prayers. Uh, Ellie was, you know, I took her to urgent care and I didn't have, I didn't have pastor Melissa there with me. Um, and, and it was, it was difficult because you know, she was, she was in pain and, and, uh, she had some, she had some mucus in her lungs that they had to put a little catheter in there and, and, and drain it. And, um, I know that I know that's it's, it's common, it's a common thing, but no one likes to see their little girl screaming in, in pain and she was terrified and and then she she gave out a really scream, da da, and I just lost it. I was like, You're gonna need a uh you know, fix me because uh, I just I, I, I don't I don't like to see my little girl in, in pain, but she's doing better, right, baby? <laughs> Amen. Amen. Um I want to get into the word of God this morning because I believe that God has has a word to speak this morning that I, I was supposed to speak last Sunday and it's crazy because the same uh, verse that Pastor Brandon got up here and, and 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 spoke about before he gave the offering was the same passage of scripture that I'm going to be uh, speaking on uh, today so I, I felt like God was still giving me, he was preparing the hearts to hear this word and then Pastor Danny this morning in the Spanish service He preached the word that wasn't out of the same passage, but it was the same message. So I believe that God is saying something today. Uh, So prepare your hearts for what he has. I'm going to ask you to turn with me to Philippians chapter four. And we're going to be reading from verses uh, four through 13. Amen. If you have it, you can say amen. Amen. Praise God. This is Paul's letter to the church in Philippi. It, it carried a very light tone. If you read most of Paul's letters, they're very, uh, you know, he's dealing with a problem in the church. He's dealing, he's dealing with some type of correction that he's writing to the church about. This one was different. This one was a letter of gratitude. It was a letter of encouragement. Paul had founded uh, this church uh, in Philippi, and now he's sitting in prison as he's writing uh, to his congregation. And so many of them are, are discouraged that Paul, their founding pastor, is in prison. But the tone that Paul wishes to set for his flock is one of joy and perseverance. And so this is what he writes. Everybody have it? I've got it up here if you don't. Uh, it says, Rejoice in the Lord. Someone say that with me. Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, Rejoice. Verse 8 says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think of these things. And verse 9 says, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. Someone needs to read that one again. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. And this is where Paul gets personal. He says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret things, the secret of facing plenty and hunger and abundance and need. Verse 13 I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this word, my God, that you're going to speak to your people this morning. I pray that you open up our hearts, you open up our minds to receive this, Father God. And I pray that your Holy Spirit has a way with us, my God, that maybe we did not intend on, on, on having this morning. We ask that your will be done and not ours. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Amen. I entitled today's message, Learned dependence. And I really like this passage of scripture because it's it's so pastoral. It's uh it's just like the Christian thing to say, right? A word of encouragement. Rejoice, brother, in the suffering. There's no need to be anxious. The the God of peace which surpasses all understanding, he will guard your heart. It's it's a beautiful saying, but it's not practical to live, right? It's beautiful, but it's not practical. It's 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 easy to preach it's harder to live. It's beautiful, but it's not something that comes natural to me. You just saying it isn't going to make me do it. How do I rejoice when I struggle to find joy? How can I stop being anxious when I have anxiety? How can I, how can I think about things that are pure and lovely and and commendable and worthy of praise when the life that the life that I'm living right now is none of those things. How we, we tend to think where we're at. Our mind is usually in the situation that we're at, that we're in. You're not thinking about other things. Sometimes, sometimes your mind could be like somewhere else, right? Like when your wife is talking to you, right? They they always say that. Where's your mind? Um, uh, Melissa will catch me all the time. I'll just be like, I'll say yes. And she was like, You did not even what did I just what did I just say? And I can't, I don't know, man. <laughs> but 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 usually when you're going through a circumstance, that's where your mind is at. So so how can I think things that are lovely when what I'm going through just seems so evil? It's beautiful, but it's not practical. But Paul says, Rejoice, don't be anxious. James says, consider it joy when you go through trials. Question, who stops to consider joy when they're going through trials? Right. Who says, man, I'm just going through the thick of it right now, but I'm just going to stop and and praise break. No, no one. No one does that. No one does that. I I know many people, many Christians. We can go through something, um, something, something traumatic, uh, something very trying And we can come and we can have a moment with God and we can completely break down in his presence and have an emotional moment with God where you're pleading with him to help you uh, go through what you are going through, where you are praying and you are believing, right? We've all had those moments. But let me tell you something. That is not the same thing as rejoicing. See, worship is a lifestyle actively devoted to God. That's what worship is. You don't worship just at church. You worship with the way that you treat people. You worship with the way that you conduct yourself. You worship with with what you allow your eyes to see, with, with what you allow your ears to hear. You worship with your lifestyle, everything that you do. That is what worship is. It is a lifestyle. Now, that is not what Paul is saying right here. He knows that this church is devoted to God. He's telling them to praise in the suffering. Rejoice literally means be glad. How can you be glad and sad at the same time? So I say again, it's easy to preach, but it's not practical. And Paul is just telling the people in, in Philippians, just rejoice, just do it. He's sitting in prison for his faith and he's saying, be glad. And you know, it's so easy to tell someone to do something that you've already mastered, right? As if they can just do it themselves. But if you if you still struggle with something, man, it's it's so annoying when you hear people just say, just do it. Isn't it? Like, like, for example, uh about like three, four years ago, I got rid of soda from my diet. It was just contributing to a lot of unwanted weight. And uh so I I I got rid of soda completely. If, If I go to a fast food restaurant, I get unsweet tea, it's not great, but I've acquired the taste. And and, but sometimes, every now and then, I like to take a sip of Sprite. Like if, if Melissa's drinking Sprite, I'm like, let me, just, let me just get a little bit of that, right? Because Sprite is everything. I love Sprite. Sprite is, Sprite is my drink. I, I grew up on Sprite. I think it is the greatest product of capitalism this world has ever seen. It is. And, and, and so sometimes I'll take a sip of Sprite like this, and I'm like, oh. Man, I just remember the good old days. And and Melissa she'll be like so amazed and she'll say, "How can you do that? How can you love something so much cuz she knows how much I love Sprite? How can you love something so much and yet reject it?" And I just tell her, "You just do it." And and then I get all judgy with her. I'm like, "You should do it with Dr Pepper. It's not that hard. You just got to set your mind to it." By that time she's like she's done, you right? Like she's not listening to me anymore. <laughs> Uh, but but, but it's, it's so easy to tell someone to do something that you've already mastered. It's so much harder to do something that you're still struggling with. And so sometimes we read uh, scripture and we see commandments that seem almost impossible for us to put into practice. And, and it's, it's the commandments that we see in scripture that honestly have led people to not have the faith of Christianity because they think it's just too hard. Stop being anxious. Stop lusting after a person that is not your spouse. Stop coveting after things that do not belong to you. Quit letting pride into your life. Stop overeating. Stop gossiping. Stop the negative talk. Stop putting yourself down. Be content in all circumstances. How do I do something that has not come natural to me? Paul says you have to learn it. If you could just do it, you would do it. But it takes the process of learning, and we don't always like the learning process. We don't always like the process of learning because we live in a fast-paced world. People don't like to take the time to learn things. Amen? This is why our generation prefers the movie instead of the book. Just just pop, just pop in that, that movie. I'll, I'll get it. My generation created Sparknotes. Y'all remember Sparknotes? Sparknotes, man, was great, man, because... It would summarize chapters of books that you had no intentions of reading because you were too lazy to read it. I man, I know I know all about Sparknotes, man. I, I used it and I did my essays and I got good grades. Just saying. Um, and then and then when I got when I got to college, I remember um, one of the one of the books they require you to read um, is 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 this book that tells you how to format. Like papers, research papers, because when you get to college, you write a lot of research papers and they make you cite your sources. And so you have to learn how to format. There's APA, MLA, Turabian, all those. And so there was this book that was assigned for college for me to read to format my essays. I was well aware of a website that would uh, format your essays for you. So I had no intentions of reading that book. Right? I didn't even buy it. I, I went to the website every time I did my my, my research paper, I plugged in my sources, boom, it, it generated my the, the format that I needed. Copy and paste, boom, that ready to go. Kids, I don't don't do that, okay? But but like what I'm saying, we, we don't like we don't like to take the time to learn things. This is why headlines are popular, because no one actually reads the article. They just read the headlines and they call it research. And, and so many of us just want to know without the process of learning. The only time I think we like to learn is when the process of learning is enjoyable. I remember one of my math teachers in school, she had this poster that said, learning math is fun. I would stare at it every single day. I wanted to tear it down, bro. I was like, when is this going to get fun? It wasn't fun at two plus two. I don't think it's going to get fun, right? Learning baseball was fun. That was fun. Learning a new uh, game in gym class, that, that was fun. There's certain things that we like to learn, but, but when the, le- the, the learning process involves hard lessons and, and lessons that we're really not interested in, no one wants to go through those lessons. We don't like to learn those lessons, but t- uh, scripture teaches us that learning, someone say learning. Learning is a part of the process. Learning is a part of the process. You can't grow if you don't learn. You can't grow in God if you don't learn more about God. You can't grow in your faith if you don't learn what it is to have faith. You can't grow without learning. And when I was reading this passage, I noticed that I noticed that Paul uses three different uh forms of, of, of the word learn. Well I'm sorry, two different forms, but he uses the word learn three times. For three different applications. So first he says that in verse nine, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. So very often, so I want, I want to get through this point here. Very often the, the process of learning involves being taught by other people who've already learned what you're trying to learn. This requires humility, Right. But we can learn from all types of people, man. We can learn from people that are older than us, people that are younger than us. We can learn from our teachers, our pastors, our friends. Shoot, I, can, I, I learn things from Layla all the time. We can learn from our kids. We can learn from people that we, we don't think that we could typically learn from. We can learn from anyone. Anyone who has something of value, we can learn. But the word learn here is, is the verb methano. Kind of sounds like Thanos. Methano. And it comes from the noun mephides, which is our English word, disciple. So in order to learn certain things, you have to be willing to be a disciple. And we're not, we're not, talking, we're not talking about learning how to play a chord or two on the guitar. Paul is t- uh, speaking about deep spiritual truths that cannot be learned in a day. It takes work. It takes application. It takes continual practice. It takes messing up and getting back up and messing up and getting back up and self-discipline. So I have a question. Do you have someone in your life that you can learn from like that? Do you have someone in your life who you have humbled yourself to and say, I can learn from you. I am willing to learn from you. Do you have someone in your life who is able to correct you without you being offended and and you actually taking it to heart? Do you have someone like that? Everybody needs A person like that. Everybody needs a Paul. Everybody needs a Paul. Everyone needs a righteous person in their lives to be an example to them. He says, what you have learned and heard uh, me say, what you've seen me do, practice those things. I don't know if you're getting this this morning. See, See, church, the people who influence us the most will have the greatest impact on who we become. The person that you allow to influence you the most will have a great impact on who you become as a person. So get yourself a person with a faith that you want so you can learn to have faith like they have. Get yourself a person who has a passion for God like you want. I remember seeing my my, my abuela and, and my grandma on their knees every single day and saying, man, I want one day. I want that. I want to seek God like they seek God. I want a passion for God, a zeal for God like like she has. Get yourself a person. Get yourself a person who has an anointing that you desire for your life. Be influenced by the people who know the word of God so that they can feed you truth. If you only choose a circle of people who have the same level of growth as you, you will never get to the next level. Confucius was the one who said, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. Some of us don't like to get in the other room because we like to be the smartest person in the room. We like to be the person that people come to for help. Learning takes humility. And you will never continue growing. If you don't have humility and you don't allow yourself to be discipled by somebody else, don't be afraid to keep learning from others. He says, what you've seen me do, practice these things. Paul then goes on to say how he's learned his lessons. So remember, he's addressing the church uh, of the Philippians and their concern for him. They are discouraged because their pastor is in prison. And he says, You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Verse 12 says, I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. So, first, Paul was telling the church to do what they have learned and seen him do. And now he's telling them how he's learned many of the lessons that he's learned. He's learned because he's had some experiences. I've learned to be content in every situation. You know what that tells me? It means that he's been through every situation. He's been on the hills. He's he's been in the valleys. He's been in, in the abundance. He's been in the lack. He's been in the sick. He's been in the health. He's been through whatever you can think of. And I have learned to be content. Interesting fact about that word content. When you think of content, you probably think satisfied, happy. The word contend in the Greek, the definition is self-sufficient. Self-sufficiency means to be dependent on oneself without any external influence or independent. Nothing affects you. No one affects you. So Paul is saying, I have learned how to be self-sufficient. He's saying, whatever comes my way, poverty, wealth, health, sickness, lack, abundance, it doesn't affect my joy. I am going to rejoice in all of it. I will be glad when I am happy, and I will be glad when I am sad because God is still God. Amen. Now, this doesn't mean that you're not going to feel the reality of your situation. We're emotional. You're still going to feel sadness. You're still going to get frustrated, man. We were frustrated this morning because, you know, we were having some sound issues, and and I've I've really been trying to to to, to Ease up, ease up on my frustration on, on Sunday mornings. Have you ever come to church frustrated? I'm, I'm kind of getting off subject here, but have you ever come to church frustrated? <laughs> it is not. It is not a good feeling because your frustration it 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 it, it overshadows your spirit. Your, your your frustration is on your spirit, and the Holy Spirit is trying to come in and and and, and do His thing, but there's there's a layer of frustration there. And so I've been, I've been saying, God, I'm, I'm going to try, even when frustrating situations come, I'm going to try not to be that frustrated. I was a little bit frustrated this morning, but not as much as usual. <laughs> Got to learn it, right? That's what he's, that's what he's saying. You're still going to feel your, your, your anger. You're still going to feel your frustration, your sadness, but your joy cannot be touched because your joy is founded on the giver of of joy and the giver of joy. God, he never changes. Paul has learned how to keep the joy in unfavorable circumstances. And can I tell you, man, there are, there are so many things that you can learn with books, podcasts. You can learn from other people, but there's, there's some lessons that you can only truly learn by experience. You can You can apply principles you can you know you can you can get help with your experiences but but there's on, there's some things that you can only truly learn by going through. I remember my first my first house flip, man, I thought I was ready. I had read all the books I would listened to all the podcasts I was ready to go, but it didn't it, it didn 't work out I mean we, I, I had to go through it to learn some things there 's some things that you have to go through to learn. I remember <laughs> I remember the phrase um, growing up. I would hear this a lot from from my older friends. Love hurts. You ever heard that one before? <laughs> I remember my, my friend. He he was probably like ten years older than than me. He had just broken up with his girlfriend, and I was in the back seat, and he was he was driving, and uh, he said, "Ryan, love hurts." That's all, that's all he said. That's all. He, and I was like, "What does that mean? What is? I don't know what that means." Love hurts. Okay. And uh, so I, w- I would always hear that, that, that phrase, love hurts. I never really understood it until my first serious-ish relationship, my serious-ish relationship. It was in eighth grade. I remember my dad. <laughs> I, remember, I remember my dad. I remember his words. He said, um, he said, don't let this get too serious because y'all are probably going to break up and And it's not going to feel good. And I said, first of all, we're never going to break up. She is the love of my life forever. All right. Love conquers everything. We broke up. We broke up. And when we broke up, man, did I understand what that meant? I remember my my, my friend's word, love hurts. I was like, yes, it does, brother. I I think I missed school for like a whole week because, man, it was painful, man. And there's, I mean, there there are some things you can only learn by going through, no matter how many times people tell you, you can only, you don't know until you know, in other words. But here's the thing that so many Christians don't realize when they go through things. What you're going through isn't just an experience. It's a lesson. And somebody's here in the room this morning going through some experiences that they do not want. But it's more than that. Maybe it's a lesson. Maybe it's God trying to teach you something. And I think that this this simple fact is really the reason that we don't always grow and learn from our mistakes. And we go back to the same thing sometimes because we're not seeing the experience as a lesson. We don't don't think about the rough seasons as lessons. We just think about them as rough seasons. And that's not what the Bible says. Paul tells us in Romans, he says, not only that, but we rejoice in the sufferings, knowing. Someone say knowing. Knowing. Knowing that suffering produces endurance, knowing that endurance produces character, knowing that character produces hope. We know it. Sometimes we don't realize it. It's in the sufferings that there is an opportunity to learn and how to endure in the suffering. But no one wants that lesson. I don't want that lesson. No one... No one wants to learn how to depend on God when they have nothing because that means you're going to have to go through a time of having nothing. I don't don't want to learn how to rejoice in the suffering because then that means I'm going to to know what it is to, to suffer and I don't want to suffer. Those are not lessons that I want because they're not results that I'm interested in. I would rather not suffer. I would rather not be tested. I would rather not get ill. I would rather not lose a a loved one. There are some people who aren't interested in learning how to swim because... Raise your hand if you don't know how to swim. Man. We're going to do some healing this morning at the altars. Got to learn how to swim. But now sometimes I have these, these conversations with people and they're like, I don't need to know how to swim because... I'm never going to be in a situation uh, that, that requires me to, to need to know how to swim to save my life. I just, I'll just avoid the water. Right? They're not interested in learning how to swim because they're not interested in swimming. No one is interested in the lessons of suffering because no one is interested in suffering. But you can't just avoid the suffering. You can avoid the water. Even though it's kind of hard to do in Houston, seriously. (laughs) But you can't avoid the suffering. Paul is saying you are going to suffer. You are going to be without. You are going to be broke. You are going to be broken. You are going to be confused. You are going to be hopeless. You are going to suffer. Might as well learn how to be content through all of those circumstances but you can only learn it by going through it. And that's, that's the message this morning that I want you to get. You can only learn something by going through it. There's some lessons that you can get from books. There's other lessons that you have to go through to learn. So as much as Paul is saying, rejoice in the suffering, and again, I say rejoice in the suffering, we're not gonna learn how to do those things until we actually go through the suffering and then choose to rejoice because rejoicing is a choice. You can go through the suffering and choose not to rejoice. You can go through a a season of bad and refuse to say God is good. It is a choice. But you won't learn it. You won't learn how not to be anxious until anxiety actually comes knocking on your door and you have to say, I'm going to depend on God in this moment. You're not going to learn how to be content in all circumstances until you've been through all circumstances. You have to learn it. And I believe, man, I believe that there are people who are going through situations. Of, I know that there are people that are going through situations of hurt and pain and confusion and, and desperation. But you're not looking at this as an opportunity to grow. You're just looking at it as an, as an experience. This is a moment when you can learn how to depend on God. Because you don't feel his presence right now. You don't see him working right now. What if, just go with me. What if God has stepped back so that you can learn how to lean in? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if if God is silent in your life right now so that you can learn how to fill the room with authoritative prayer, praying in faith, what if, what if God has shut every single door that you're trying to go through right now, every single door that you're seeking and you're praying for so that you can learn how to just seek him. Stop seeking the opportunities. Stop seeking the doors. Just seek me for a moment. Seek my face for a moment. Stop seeking my hands right now. Stop. Just, just seek my face. <laughs> Paul uses the word learn one more time. in verse 12. He says, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger and abundance and need. This is where he changes up the word for learn. So the one that he uses here is the word meuo. And meuo is directly tied to the word secret. So he says, I've learned the secret. So the word meuo, it means to initiate. I want you to get this. If you haven't heard anything, get this. The word men- menuo, it means to initiate into mystery. Paul is saying, I've been thrown into the mysteries of good and bad circumstances. And, and I now know the secret of facing plenty, hunger, abundance, and need. What's, what's the secret of being in abundance? It's the same as the secret of being in need. Some people think that the secret of abundance is happiness. If I could only be rich, if only I didn't have to work, if only I had my, my dream house, my dream car, my dream husband or wife, if only I had everything that I wanted, that would unlock my happiness. Some people think that the secret of being in abundance is happiness. Is happiness. Sometimes we think that the secret of being in need is is pleading and begging for God to get us out of that need. That's that's what you got to do. You have to to bump up that faith because you don't have enough faith if you're in need. Paul says, no, that's not it. How do I get through my rough seasons? It's the same way that I get through my easy seasons. And then Paul gives us one of the most abused, misused Taken out of context verses and probably all of scripture. He says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. He says the secret of facing pain, the secret of facing anxiety, the secret of facing depression, the secret of facing a struggling marriage, the secret of facing children who want nothing to do with God, the secret with facing mounting debt the secret to facing things that I do not understand, as well as the secret of being in abundance and being hashtag blessed, the secret of all things is the strength of God who gets me through every moment. That's the secret. If I'm in need, if I'm not in need, it's the strength of God who gets me through those moments, but you won't truly learn it. Until you go through it, can I get can I get uh, some keys, please? I want to I want to share. Um, I know my, my wife has shared this before. Uh, I think she actually shared this at the women's conference, but you've never heard my my side of the story. Um, in in two thousand seventeen, um, my my sister in law, my wife's older sister. Michelle, who who we we named our daughter Michelle after Ellie, she she became sick. She got real sick, kind of kind of out of nowhere. And, and this wasn't something that was um, uncommon. She was she was always you know kind of in the hospital you know, at least once a year. She she didn't have the the strongest immune system, so you know she would go into the hospital like once a year. And um, we we didn't really think anything of it. This time, she was in the hospital for for maybe a month or so, and then and then we got a call that, that, uh, things weren't looking great for her. And it took us completely by surprise. And she, she wasn't, she fell into a coma and we went to the hospital that day and we started to, to pray and uh, believe that God was going to, you know, turn, turn it upside down. And, and honestly, I I really believed that, that she was going to come out. Okay. She's she going to come out of the hospital. And we were, we were, we were believing and, and then we entered a season of waiting for three months. Three months, and there were ups and downs, and, and and we would get good reports, and then we would get bad reports, and it was it was a it was a it was a roller coaster of emotions for for, for three months. And you know, I I was I felt for the family. I'm obviously I'm obviously part of the family, but this is, this is after, you know, my wife's family, years before they they had lost, she had lost an older brother. So I'm hurting with this family because I've seen the hurt. I've seen the pain that they have gone through. And during that process of waiting, I was always praying, God, heal Michelle, heal her. I believe that you can do it, do it. Dude, and I, I mean I would pray with, with 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 fervor and I would pray with, with faith and I would pray with authority, believing and the God who can do immeasurable things, the God that we just talked about, the God who can raise the dead, the God who can part seas. That was the God that I was praying to and I believed for a healing. But then midway, and I never I never told never told my wife this, but prayer started to change. I was still praying for the healing. But then I started praying for the faith. I said, God, don't let this cast doubt on who you are. Don't let my wife's family be affected by this and their perception of who you are. Don't let my wife don't let her lose don't don't let her faith take a hit because 3 months of asking 3 months of praying 3 months of believing with no response that 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 can that can wreck somebody's faith sometimes and she never i mean she never showed any any signs of that but that was just as a husband as a christian i said god don't don't let this don't let this be a reason for anger to be drawn to you. I was concerned for the, for the faith of my wife and her family. And as much as I were praying and we were praying and praying towards the end, it looked like we were getting the answer. And I was still praying, God, I don't know what's going on in my wife's spirit right now. But it was a season of pain, but it was also a lesson of dependence. And when we got through it all, I saw my wife's love for God increase. I, love, I, I saw her dependence on God increase. I saw her faith increase increase and I was I was inspired by it. I was touched by it. I even asked myself could I go through a similar situation with the same result? But sometimes God allows you to go through the mysteries. The mysteries of of sadness, the mysteries of, of confusion, the mysteries of not knowing why you're going through something, and it seems like a mystery, and you're questioning everything. He allows you to go through that to teach a lesson of dependence on Him. This was this was suffering, but it was also a lesson. And it was a lesson that no one ever asked for. But my wife learned how to depend on her God. My wife learned how to get through the need by the strength of Christ and come out even stronger after it. She learned, and this is my prayer that everyone would always know, that God is the same God whether you're in the pit or on the peak. He is the same God. And that is my prayer this morning. That was my prayer. That was my prayer this morning. God, let your word be a reminder of dependence on you because some of us haven't, listen, some of us haven't even gone through all of it yet. Some of us have, we've had a pretty good life. And I look at the blessings that I have in my life and I say, God, thank you so much because I haven't really had to endure that much. But if it ever comes... I want to know that I can still call you good at the end of the day. And that is my prayer for every single one of you who goes through trying circumstances, that you see the God who is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Paul's use of the word contentment, again, which means self-sufficiency, is predicated on his dependence on Christ. You can only be self-sufficient from the things that happen to you in this world when you are living by the strength of God that is outside of this world. This is the peace of God that surpasses all understanding because it comes from a place that we do not understand. Why do I have peace in a moment of trial? How can I call you good when my situation doesn't look good? When you learn how to depend on Christ, contentment, Self sufficiency is the result, no matter what comes into your life. But you'll have to go through it to learn it. And I'm going to ask this morning that you just have a moment with God where you say, God, all I need is you. And again, that's easy to say, and it's easy to sing. But some of us don't even know what that means because we still have things in our life that are filling so many needs. And so when you say that, God, all I need is you. Just realize, realize how scary that is. Realize how bold of a declaration that is when you say, I can have nothing else, no one else but you, and that's all I need. God, I pray this morning. I'm going to ask you to stand. God, I pray this morning for this this house, God. I pray for those, my God, who are in need right now. I pray for those, my God, who are struggling with something right now, Father God. I pray that they learn how to depend on you. I pray that they learn, my God, to seek you, my God. Seek you and not the need. See you and not the giant. We rejoice. We rejoice. We rejoice. Come on, someone say that with me. I rejoice this morning. I rejoice in my, in my sorrow. I rejoice in my need. I rejoice. I say that you are good. Even in my sadness. Come on, somebody this morning. Rejoice in the goodness of God. Rejoice in the goodness of God. Let's have a moment with God this morning, church. Come on, I'm going to ask that you come forward. Come on. Thanks for listening. If you'd like some more information on NUMA Church, visit us on our website at mynumachurch.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with your friends on social media and tag us at mynumachurch. Thanks again and God bless.